Abba Yahweh, the opportunity to share again with any out there that would hear my words, listen to my voice, and seek your truth, knowledge, and wisdom, Father. Thank you for trusting me with your treasure, Father, to share your treasure. You bless me mightily in this, Father. Thank you. Thank you. Abba Yahweh Aman, Yeshua Aman, Parakletos Aman. So, our Heavenly Father has blessed me. I think I've shared with you already that, that he's, he's given this platform, this thing to share. I've been doing this now for over three years. Every single day and sometimes multiple times a day, every day, every day. He has blessed me so greatly in being able to do this. And everything is about his truth, to glorify God and to share the opportunity with anyone out there who listens to what I have to say. Here's the words, but not only hearing what the words are or hearing my voice, but listening to what I'm saying. Listen to what's being said. I shared this with you some little while ago, the difference between hearing and listening. There is a profound difference. They are not the same thing. You might hear something and realize that there's a noise or a muttering or a disturbance in the atmosphere, or as they say in the world-famous movie, a disturbance in the force. You can tell that something's... That you can't understand what's being said. You can't hear the words There's no because you're not listening. You hear it, and then you ignore it, or you hear it, and you're drawn in for curiosity, and then you come in to listen to see what's being said. Sometimes, for those that do that, I know when I did that, uh, sometime I was a younger younger man, and I couldn't quite tell what it was, but it was music. And when I finally traced it down and went down the little street and realized, and then I sat and I listened. It was beautiful. It's that way with God's word. His truth, his knowledge and wisdom is wonderful. It's beautiful. And I use that analogy and I share it with you all the time. That it's, it's like treasures. I get to go in his treasure house and I get to sweep that off of the shelf with my arm, fill a basket, bring it out and share it. But as I'm leaving, I look back and that shelf is just bubbling up with the same more treasure. It's under ending. And this is what God wants to do with us in my, in uh, one of my read, well, several of my readings, my mentor, one of my mentors, he provides with uh, reading material on a regular basis. I like it. I should spend more time in that, turning the pages. I like to turn pages, actually. That's why I still have my paper Bible. I don't use electronics to study the Bible, just to get directional. I've shared this with you. I'm going to share it again because it's worth sharing that that I have the paper Bible because I love, well, several reasons. It's my father's Bible. My father passed away. It's his study Bible. And I find 
notes that he wrote in there. That's awesome in and of itself. But because it's my heavenly father's word, it was my earthly father's word. And he was a, he was indeed, while he was here on this earth, he was a man of God. But I, I keep this word because sometimes, and I've, I've done it a couple times, I don't, I don't allow myself to go into that any as much so much because I'm holding God's hand. But sometimes there's things that, that take place that are just grievous and they're and it's heaviness and I'm you know when loss of a loved one. But what's really awesome about a paper Bible and that you open up and you turn pages. Oh, thank you, Father is that I found a couple of times really instances and I just open the Bible, just open it up and I push my face in. I push my face into the Bible and then I take my, my hands on the outside and I just close the pages up and I just sit there and I rest for a moment. And then in my mind's eye, I have this image of my heavenly father. And much like my earthly father used to do, my earthly mother, they had this when I was smaller and I would be hurting. That while I have my face buried in my father's word, in the word of God, I have that closed around, I can see that he's holding my face in his hands. And he's just looking at me right straight in my eyes. And then he smiles. And he just tells me that he loves me. He said, I love you, son. It'll be okay. Much like my earthly parents used to do when they did that. So that's my reason that I prefer paper pages over electronic pages. And so many people like this little electronic gizmo. That's okay. But in the reading, and I got to get into this since I'm, the curiosity is drawing me more. <clears throat> but it's an interesting headline that he has on his material. And I like this. I, li I like his title also. And it's called Turning Points. I think that's a profound title in and of itself. Because, brothers and sisters, do we not all achieve a turning point sometime in our life? We get to a point and then we just stop. And then we fill our heart with prayer, repentance, and we have attained a turning point. And remember the word repentance simply means that you've changed your mind. You ch you're you going to change direction. You're going to turn around. But what is fascinating 
with this and, and actually have been doing this for quite some time now. And he decided to title one of his readings this way. And, and again, I, I love confirming word. And I share this with my lead pastor at the church that I go to. And I share with him because now the Lord's been bringing this on this way so much. And what it does, it's not a, it's not a, I told you so, or see, I'm right, anything like that. When he brings a confirming word, it means one thing. The Holy Spirit is showing that I am on the right path, the right route, the right highway. And I am following, as Paul reminds us, that we need to be like-minded of one body, one mind, one soul. We can attain to that. Our hearts are all in the same thought. Jesus even mentioned that. We, we stay like-minded. John's written about it. Peter's written about it. That we need to stay like-minded. Like-minded. And we need to, to pray that way. But the title of this reading of uh, this is... is uh, as he wrote this, it says, when the Bible meets the news of the day. And then, of course, the subheading is very important because it's true. Finding hope in the headlines. What I've actually been doing for some while, I, I stopped, and, and especially on this stupid thing they, they call social media, because I find it not to be like that at all. I find it to be rather unsocial media, mostly. And uh, it's that way because you find trollers and fishers and, you know, fishing, of course, is P-H-I-S-I-N-G. They're, they're looking for personal information and contact and being able to get into your accounts and that sort of thing. But their trollers are those that get on and they have nothing better to do with their life or actually that we, they, they look to scheme and connive and, and argue and fuss and they look for that. This is why it's very important that you stay bold, upright and courageous in the righteousness and not confrontational. Confrontation is like these individuals, and of course they get really brave when they're anonymous because that's I think that's really actually why they do that. Quite honestly, I'll be truthful with you. They do it that way because of the anonymity that it allows them. Because if they did so out and openly, they would be probably beaten up or slapped too many times and they don't want that to happen, so they like the anonymity of being able to get on this little thing and they send out a message and they draw others that have this need to respond. They need to fuss at them and make their... <laughs> I know this is going to twist up some knickers here, but that's okay, I don't care. Um, they want to be a commentator. And to be honest with you, I had to pray on this because especially when it became into uh, political issues and things having to do with the veterans, I became that it was so important that I have to 
opine on what was being said and that I have to commentate. No, I don't. I don't have to be a commentator with anything that these individuals say. But what I didn't get drawn into is I realized that what these trollers were doing pretty early on, thank you, Father, for that, and thank you also for helping me with the other, and that they would draw you into these, they would say things to purposely, whether it was the, the individual that actually posted what was said or that it was just somebody that had been following the posts or something, and they draw them into an argument. They'll say something that is completely not even related to what's being said, but but just enough to get somebody agitated, and it will draw individuals in. And then they will then they have this confrontation going back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And you have those individuals, and that's what they do. They they're trolling, they're baiting. It's like they're in their fishing boat, and they're out on the water, and they're. Pulling the lure across the water, that's trolling. And that's what they do on this thing. They're, they're trolling to see who they can find to respond. And that's what they're seeking. So here's the thing, though, that if you go in with spiritual eyesight and spiritual hearing, and not so closed-minded, but like this thing, when the Bible meets the news of the day, what I have found in this is that the headlines are not overly surprising to me, honestly. And why is that is because I've already seen them. I have, I've already seen them. And if you stay in God's word and you study his word, for his approval, study to show thyself approved, you will see that what I'm saying is true. Uh, you've got to let these things go. Don't be fearful. Fear is okay. God doesn't mind you being afraid, and he knows you are, but come to him with that fear. Come to him for the comfort and the peace that he offers, because his peace is the only true peace. And the peace that we receive there is truth. What you see in these headlines in the so-called media circus that takes place, especially nowadays, are all fabrications or lies. They're pandering untruth, and they push that, and they... Push it for sensationalism. And I mean, there were, we're going to go back in time a little bit and see that there were, when when I was growing up in, in many places and things that I saw, and there was news anchors and individuals, you actually came to trust them and it's almost like you knew them and when a certain time of day came on you would turn a particular channel on because you knew that you were going to get the truth and you knew and you trusted the individuals because it matched up pretty much everything that was being said and the things that were going on and you came to 
almost know the person, but you didn't. And now you have this media circus that takes place. It's all about sensationalism and they war with one another back and forth and they, they pander lies. They pander untruth. They pander derisiveness. My goodness gracious, this thing, this platform they call social media panders so many lies and untruths and pushes derisiveness. But here's here's the thing, and this is the agenda that's on here, is this agenda is being pushed and it's being puppeted by the prince of the air. Who am I speaking of when I say and call him the prince of the air? And he's been called that in the Bible in several places. Jesus actually called him the prince of the air. Talking about Satan. And I'm going to share this with you about Satan because this is what he used to be. He used to be, and they called him that because he was the worship leader and he could actually make music without instruments. He could bend the air to do things and created music to worship God without instruments. And then, of course, he became such that he wanted to be God. He wanted to usurp God's authority and got kicked out of heaven, along with those that he convinced he could be God and he could do a better job at being God. I can be God better than God. I can be God better than the God that created all things. Yeah, yeah, we, we're with you, we're with you. And then off they went. Oh, they went with them, all right. And just like Jesus mentions in Luke, find it in Luke 10. I saw Satan fall as lightning from heaven. And not just Satan, but he saw those that were with him and they came down. Brothers and sisters, we have to have trust in God. God is Abba Yahweh. He is Father, maker of all things made. And, and going back into, uh, was doing my Hebrew study and found something that I found quite interesting talking about the maker of all things made. And when God, there's certain things that are translated and certain things I think that are missed. And of course, this teacher, he's There were things that were changed to translation, but in the in the actual in the old Hebrew, um, that there were things translated to English that sort of lost their meaning 
or lost their depth, as you might say, which off happens in translations, which is why you need to be cautious. And this is why we talk to the Holy Spirit for guidance all the time. But I found this very interesting is that in speaking in the old Hebrew, if you take it from the old Hebrew and cautious with the translations and you pay heed to them, that when God was creating things and when the scriptures talk about it, in the old Hebrew, there's a, when God was creating and we see in the King James Version where God sits back and he's, you know, the, he separated the, the darkness from the daylight, night from the day. <clears throat> and God just said, let there be light. Well, in the old Hebrew, it says that God said, let there be the light. Think on that a minute. I find that quite interesting because who and where else do we find that terminology? The light or the light is talking about he himself. Talks about our Lord Jesus. The way, the truth, the light, and the life. John talks about Jesus when he comes. And Jesus is called the light. His truth. Brothers and sisters, if we come back... We get involved in these daily headlines and these things that we see and we're not really paying attention. But if you study the word of God and you go to his truth, his knowledge and his wisdom, don't get caught up in so much of this mundane hubbub and all this white noise that goes on. And and I'm I'm learning something and I've learned and it's it's not an easy thing to do for me. Because as a citizen, a veteran, a patriot, and a lot of things that I see that are really, really, really bad, and I just, but it's not for me to spout off, because what I find, and I go to this, and, and my point is very clear into this, or I hope it's clear, and if not, I'm going to make it clear. When the Bible meets the news of the day and that you find hope in the headlines because the true hope is found in the word of God. And I'm finding that when I see this so-called news and these things that they're propagating out here and this lack of true news and people seem to be so interested in all this, but they get caught up in it. I'm actually finding that it is meeting the word of God more and more and more and more. And what does that translate for me, to me, from my perspective, as a true believer of Jesus being the only begotten son of God, faith in God, and 
praying guidance of the Holy Spirit on a regular basis. And brothers and sisters, you are in my prayers every day. My start of my day and when I lay down at nighttime and I put my mind in that direction to pray, it's important to do that. But I'm finding that I have no... I'm not fearful of what's going on. I I don't like seeing what's happening a lot. And, but in this and in what's happening is that I also find that Satan wants to drive fear. And because it's happening more and more on this little electronic gizmo, that he's manipulating things that are, are said and done. And he's using it to pander his agenda, which is separation, darkness, untruth, accusation, derisiveness. And his drive continually is to separate individuals, to spread untruth, and And the thing that I notice here, the Holy Spirit's talking to me here, sorry. Yes. And that when they're sitting out here and the Bible tells us there will be wars and rumors of wars. What are rumors? Okay. And we had to learn this in the military and they used to teach us this stuff is that there are individuals, they call them rumor mongers. And out here in and around us, there are those that do that. They, they, they just, it's, it's almost like a food to them. Rumors, they love rumors. They don't have any basis. Most, 99.9% of the time, rumors have no basis in truth. There's no real facts to back them up. And this is why it was important in the military that we used to, you know, talk about the rumor mill. And you had to be cautious on what was being said and what you took to heart. And rumors spread really fast. And they have no basis in truth, which is what is happening here and a lot in the headlines and rumors of wars, rumors of this, rumors of that, and all these things happening. There's real no basis in truth, but what they do is they put out just enough truth in part of it and this is the agenda that the enemy has, just enough truth. And then people jump on there and say, oh, that's going to happen. Oh, man, I saw that that's happening. It's happening right now. And then pretty soon, what do they start doing? They start, they're lying about something that they have no actual knowledge in. And it's not an intentional lie. It's just they're so caught up and they're so excited in what's going on. And they bought into this rumor and then they start helping to spread it. And then people become fearful. They become agitated. They become upset. And it has nothing to do with anything whatsoever. <laughs> it's just empty mist. The Bible actually talks about this and reminds us that we have to be anxious or careful. Philippians, I shared that with you just the other day in Philippians 4. Paul's writing to the church in Philippi. And this is, this is exactly what they were doing over there. You have to remember that most of the letters that Paul wrote, have to remember that this is very important. And this is very key to some of the things that Paul shared with us. And he was teaching. Most of everything that Paul wrote 
I'm not sure the actual figurative content, but at least 80% of what Paul wrote to the churches and what was going on was he was imprisoned. Paul was himself a hunted man because he used to hunt. He was hired by the church, the church elders and leaders who called themselves that, the self-proclaimed. And that they paid him, the Romans paid him, and they, they hunted those that we call Christians now. And back in those days, they used to call it the way or his way because they were following the teachings of Jesus Christ, the Lord, the Savior of the world. And even with him leaving, they believed that what he was saying is true and they believed and they had faith in God and they they would meet. Well, the Romans were fearful of them because the numbers were pretty expansive. But the ones that feared the most were the Sanhedrin, the Pharisees. So Paul, Saul, was hired and paid by both the pharisaical tyrants and the Roman tyrants. Interesting that they they fussed at one another back and forth. So it's very much like the Sanhedrin. The Pharisees were agitated at the Romans back and forth, and the Romans would be agitated with them because they would only do just enough to to appease the Romans. But they griped about them all the time. They would try to get away with things, and they had their own guard, their own secret police that they had going. There's an organization now, there's several actually that do that. And they have their own military forces and they're trained that way. Oh my goodness gracious, yes they are. But it's for their element of control. So the same thing is going on, back and forth and back and forth. And they would hunt down those that were of the way or of his way before they were called Christians and they would hunt their locations down, they would burn them out and they would take prisoner those that believe. Well, we know the story of Saul. Jesus knocked him off his ass into the middle of the road and he fell down. And while he was lying on the ground trying to gather his wits, Spirit of the Lord descended on him in a bright light. He couldn't see anything, and then he spoke to him. He said, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? What was Jesus asking him? Just like God said, let there be the light. Jesus was very specific when he said, why persecutest thou me? The body of the church is us, brothers and sisters. It's not the building. When the scriptures talk about the church, (coughs) pardon me, (coughs) Hmm. my apology. When you have pastors that are of the word, 
the true word and speaking truth and they talk about the church, understand and know this, that what's being spoken of is each and every person that is sitting in the pew is a member of that congregation that meets together to study the word, the truth, to study and praise the Lord. That's the church. And Jesus was over Saul and asked him, why persecutest thou me? Because in taking all those, he was striking out at Jesus. And then, of course, we know the rest of the story is that uh, Saul became Paul. And he became one of the staunchest supporters and elders and leaders of the church. And most of what he wrote, at least 80%, could be more, could be a little less, but it was a lot of what he wrote to the churches and support and keeping them up. He did so while he was either in house arrest, behind bars, in chains, or awaiting his imminent death. The letters that he wrote to Timothy and Titus, he was waiting to be killed. And the letters that he wrote to the church, but you read Paul's writing, and what is Paul writing about? Paul doesn't write except in one one letter that he wrote, and it was not even... Oh, woe is me, I'm behind these bars and I can't get out there and do anything that I want to do and, you know, send me this stuff so I can get some food and this, that, and the other thing. He didn't do that. Paul's letters were uplifting. It was intended to lift those followers and believers up to encourage him. Be mindful of what was going on, and this is what we are to do. This is what the Bible tells us to do. Don't get caught up in these headlines and all these lies and all this lie-mongering that's going on. And I had to really kind of, um, it was difficult for me because, as I shared, I'm a citizen, a patriot, a veteran, and, and a lot of this stuff that goes on, I, I, I was getting caught up in the stuff. But I find now that it's, I just, and I'm going through, I, I just delete things. I don't even pay attention to any, to, to much. I'm very particular about whatever news that I come into and follow and adhere to because I make sure that it's truth and not just truth as I see it and because this is what happened. This is why there's so much derisiveness and, and things that are going on is because the mental aspect that, because if, oh, if they're not in agreement with the way I think or what we think, then it's not, then, then we're just gonna, we're gonna beat them up. We're gonna beat them down and we're just gonna kick them out. And that's the way it is with so many things now. And unfortunately that happens with those that want to stand in their faith. And we notice that happened with, and I'll come right back to the female soccer team that took place. It happened a while ago. 
but it became so bad that actually the team that everybody was so proud of, but it started out with the the team because they didn't agree with what they were doing and saying and the disrespect that they were showing whenever they were in other places toward the country. They were claiming to be an American sports team, but they didn't display that, but they said it. They alienated and they separated and they ostracized those that were standing on their faith. And then they they used political platform or public platforms to try to convince others of their bigotry and, and so forth. And, and it wasn't that at all. They never pointed anything out. They just didn't want to go along with what they were propagating. Brothers and sisters... You need to stand on the truth. Always stand on the truth. This is what I share with you. And I've also invited you to try my spirit. Get the Holy Spirit. Pray to the Holy Spirit for guidance. And see if not, see if what I share with you is not the truth. If it's not, then don't listen anymore. But don't get all rowdy about it and then try to jump on that, and what we call the wokeness. Well, the sad part about those that claim to be woke is that they're, they might claim that, but they're not awake. They're actually very blind. And I have, <laughs> I've actually kind of coined a little anagram that with woke, and it's not the actual definition of this. There used to be a definition for woke, and that means that you weren't asleep. <laughs> you were up and starting the day, but... The sad part of that wokeness now, what it is, and this thing that so many claim to be, is that they're not really awake. They're actually still asleep, and they're walking around in a daze. And it's not truthful. It's not honesty. It's a lie. And because you have a handful that started it, and then just like the cheetah and the leopard, you have all these multi... Now it's multinational, multi... And they, they use this title so freely now. It's this woke. Oh, joining the woke, the woke mob, the woke this and the woke that. We only know everything. But they don't. They don't only know everything. They claim to know everything, but most of what is actually known are all lies. It's unfortunate and sad. But there's a lot of that going on. But again, that too is not something that's surprising because that's in the Bible. There's books of the Bible that talk about this stuff and they don't sit, come right out and say whatever. name. And this is not just happening in this country. This is happening in many countries all over the world. You have that happening in China and North Korea and, and you have it happening actually in many of the countries that are promoting and pandering to socialism. And it's kind of funny that that's sort of an oxymoron right there because there's nothing social about socialism. And what they do is they get that going with everyone to believe that it's the right and the good thing for everyone and that everyone is going to prosper in socialism. But let's do some actual historical fact-finding here a minute. And then we're going to get back into the word. 
that this was actually happening even back in the time when Jesus was walking around. So this is not a new idea, except that you have certain individuals that are trying to push it like it's some great good thing, but they don't even know. But fact remains, true facts, that every country that promoted socialism didn't remain socialist. They flipped right quickly into communism. And there were countries that, and they don't realize this, but historically that there were people that they found, supposedly all this good thing that was going to be good for everybody, that they had run out of everything because the thuggism that took place, they were the ones in charge and they were the ones that were eating and living and so it wasn't good for everybody. If you had power, then you were in charge, period. So they went to the United Soviet Socialist Republic, USSR. Um, and some of these youngsters that are pushing socialism have ignored history. Is that the Soviet Union, as they call themselves, they've changed their name. And there's... Um, they are, I don't know if they're still the largest, but maybe second now to another country, communism. And they were finding people that were waiting in the quote-unquote bread line to get fed and get their hand out. And, but the problem that was happening there is that everything that was given to them was covered in mold. It had already gone bad and that they weren't baking or producing anything new because they didn't have anything to provide for them. And that the people were actually starving to death in the line while they were waiting for their opportunity. The lines were so long and they actually had autopsies that were done by uh, medical groups that, that went in that uh, doctors without borders, I think they call them, that they go all over the world and they try to share the word and the truth and they, they try to help people and they were finding these individuals that were in the bread lines and they were doing autopsies on these people to find out why they had died, if there were any diseases. And what they were finding is that many of these people were eating parts of their shoes. <sighs> Brothers and sisters, so many lies are being pushed, but there's nothing to be fearful of. Don't allow fear to become fearful. Remember, I've shared this with you. God knows that we're going to be afraid and he knows that's going to happen, but don't become fearful. We don't want that to happen. God is with us. He's our strength. What we need to remember to do, and this is a hard one for me too, is, is that we come to him with empty hands or with our hands open. And as it was going on here, and I've learned through the things that God is walking me through and things that are they're on is that if you have your hands closed and I've shared this with you before is you take a look at your hand look a, close your hands in a fist and if you look where your thumbs are you can't even see in and then you turn your hands so that you can see where your little finger is and you still can't see in and now you open your hands all of a sudden what do you have that's in your hand what do you have the light the light comes in and that darkness that you had your hands closed around and holding on to so tightly, now your hands are open and the light is in your hands. Your hands are open so now you can actually receive 
blessings that God intends for us to have and all these things that are going on and all these things that, that the doom and gloomers want to hold on to. See, because that's not what I'm talking about, not what I'm promoting. But they are promoting because they want to say, oh, that's doom and gloom. And that's just, uh, you know, my home, my home. Well, this is not my home. This is my residence. And what I'm sharing is that the light can come in if we allow the light in. But we have to allow it to take place. You have to have trust and faith in God. You believe that Jesus Christ came into this world, the light, the life, and the way, as John describes him, the light. And when John was talking about Jesus, when he was baptizing at the river, John the baptizer looked up and he saw his cousin walking toward him. And he said, behold, the lamb of God, whose sandals I am not fit to latch. He is the way, the truth, and the light. And John actually had to tell other people that he was not the light. He had to remind them that he was not the light. But he was preparing the way for the light. But brothers and sisters, if we have open hands, and when we come to God, it's easier for us to receive things, and it's easier to carry them with us. Don't hold on to things so tightly when you're so bound up in those things. And we come to him for strength. And we come to him. God desires to fill us up with him. And John talks about this. The book of John writes about this. And Jesus was trying to get us into the heart of God. And what is? Remember, Jesus was called several, given several titles. And so many people take this a weird direction. They try to their analogy toward Jesus is that he's got a first, middle, and last name like most everybody else does. But no, he doesn't. He is called Jesus, which means or translates to Savior, Redeemer. There's a lot of titles that go with that. Redeemer, Savior, Lifesaver. And then his middle name, if you want to call it that, Emmanuel. God with us, God in us. And this is where Jesus always was trying to take us back when he was walking and teaching the disciple, teaching us, which he continues to teach us, is teaching to be in the heart of God, be in God's heart. God desires to be in our heart. And then, of course, Jesus, Emmanuel, Christ, anointed of God is what that word means, anointed of God. And there are those that claim to be that very thing, but they are not. They are liars, lie mongers, derisiveness, separation, darkness, and their agenda is to separate you from the truth. Be wary, brothers and sisters, but remember this. And this is, I love this, this, Isaiah 41, actually. But here we have, in Isaiah 40, 29 through 31, he gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths will grow tired and weary. And young men will stumble and fall. 
But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings as the eagles. They will run and not grow weary. Walk and not faint. And when I was younger, I shared this with you that that's an old song. But when I was younger, I found that there was something always that was seemed to be a verse missing, so I rewrote it for me and applied that for me. And we can do that here and now. <clears throat> and the song was, They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and never faint. Teach me, Lord. Teach me, Lord, to wait. Because that is where we find that strength. May sing that song and that presence of the Lord. It's really, really an awesome place. And when the Holy Spirit kind of rouses me up and I just have the dim light that comes through my shade in the bedroom. And me and my companions are just sort of mustering out of sleep. And the Holy Spirit comes to share and talk with me. And sometimes he even gets me up right out of bed and I've got to come and do that thing. Be in the word, share that word. That's a great place to be. Brothers and sisters, take the time. And here's the thing that so many get caught up in though. They think that they... I don't have time for that. I can't take time for that. That Oh my goodness, nothing's going to get accomplished. Don't forget. I've seen it happen. God can bend time. Oh yes, he can. God can bend time. Brothers and sisters, this truth, knowledge, and wisdom that God bestows is a great place to be. And not to be mindful or fearful of those things that you find in the headlines because they're going to be full of darkness. (coughs) Pardon me. And remember, Jesus reminds us of this. There will be wars and rumors of wars and there will be deception and theft and lying and that you're going to even have your own families are going to turn against you if you stay in the truth. They're going, to, they're going to be so caught up in, in being fearful that they lose all conscious knowledge and recollection of family. It's all about self, self-preservation. You see it happening. I started seeing this as a younger person, didn't really pay attention to it. But look around. Where do, you, where do older people in, in this society, where do they go? They go to homes. People don't want to take care of them. They they forget that they're family. And they abandon animals like crazy. So 
they abandoned family members. They abandoned elderly as if they didn't do anything. Now they're just a, a troublesome, goodness gracious, they wear diapers and they you got to treat them like a child. Well, that person that you're treating that way and that you decide to palm off on somebody else, that person just gave you life and brought you into this world and allowed you to go to school while they were working to put food on the table and a roof over your head every single day, have a bed for you to sleep in, and now just abandoned as if they're nothing. There are other countries that do the same thing, but in a lot of other countries, you actually find that they rever, revere, sorry, revere their older people, and they're very conscious of them, and older people will come and they live with members of the family. They take care of them, and they're often given a place of authority at the head of the table, and they don't let go until they absolutely can't take care of them anymore. All right, enough lecturing. Brothers and sisters, stay bold, stay courageous, stay upright in his truth and his knowledge and his wisdom and his righteousness is what we need to stay in. Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, Ansariah, strong, bold, courageous, and upright. And remember that we can be that. We don't have to be arrogant. We don't have to be Um, arrogant about things, but and and being bold and upright and confidence does not mean you're arrogant. It just means that you have confidence. What? Yeah, but your confidence needs to be in the Lord, be in His righteousness, and remember that that the power. And this is in my my reading is that uh, God tells us that my power flows most freely into weak ones. Aware of their needs of me, and that the stumbling steps are of dependence, they're not a lack of faith. Actually, it's quite the opposite. When you come to God in that position and that when you've attained to that point, you feel weak, you feel that you don't have any strength and you come to God, but come to God and open your hands. Don't keep them clenched in a fist, holding on to that. Here's the thing that we have to remember is that the Lord didn't come and you have to wait to become holy in order to talk with him or be with him. That's not what it takes. God knows about our weakness. God knows about our inadequacies, if some people want to call them that. And he knows that we're weak but he loves the fact that we come where? To our heavenly father because he is the one who loves us, protects us, guides us, and that we come to him in that. He loves that. Loves the fact that we're coming to the source. We're coming to what we know to be truth. He's not gonna get upset with us and say, oh man, you little weakling, what are you doing here? You're bothering me again? No, he comes with and welcomes us with open arms. We come to his gates with thanksgiving. Thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to come and thank you for your strength. Thank you for your love. And as we cross his courts and we get ready to sit down and and 
have a personal relationship with him. While we're doing that, we're praising him for what he is about to do or what he does do. And then, of course, we worship the fact that he is all those things to us. Abba Yahweh, thank you. Thank you for the opportunity for sharing your truth, your knowledge, and your wisdom with any of them out there that are listening, Father, any of the brothers and sisters that have an ear to this, to let them hear and listen to the words. Thank you for blessing me, Father, so mightily in the opportunity to do this thing, to be about your business, to be in this, your podcast, and that you helped me establish this platform. Father, you showed it to me and delivered this here to do this thing, is to share your truth, your knowledge, and your wisdom to any that would hear what I have to say and listen and get into your word, Father. Not fearful, might be afraid, but we know that you love us. Abba Yahweh Aman, Yeshua Aman, Paraklitos Aman.